All right, so we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. Welcome, welcome to The African History Network show. It is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021, and we are live. So, um, once again, the day was a very, very busy uh, news day. You have the deliberations uh, continuing in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial. You have that going on. Uh, you have Travis McMichael, who took the witness stand unexpectedly uh, today, uh, took the witness stand to explain why he shot and killed Ahmaud Arbery. And he shed some tears on 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 uh, on the witness stand also. So I'm not sure if he um, was paying attention to what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse or what have you. But that that took place today. Um, and I think, the, I think tomorrow, the, um, I think tomorrow the cross-examination is going to continue. So I expect, uh, the prosecutors to really grill him in his testimony. But, uh, this morning we got the news that, uh, in the case in the assassination of Malcolm X, um, two men who were convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X are going to uh, be released from prison and they have been exonerated. Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam have um, uh, were in prison for years, have been in prison for years. Uh, two of the men found guilty of the assassination of Malcolm X are expected to have their convictions thrown out on Thursday, November 17th, the Manhattan district attorney and lawyers for the two men said rewriting the official history of one of the most notorious murders uh, or assassinations of the civil rights era. We're going to talk about this. And, and uh, this was because of the um, documentary uh, who Killed Malcolm X, that aired on Netflix, came out in 2020, Who Killed Malcolm X. And we talked about that documentary here on the show, okay? I saw it, I watched it a few times. We talked about it here. Because of the documentary, um, the prosecutor's office there, Cy Vance's office in um, the New York area, launched an investigation, okay, to look at uh, the claims and... Um, reopen the, the, the case, the assassination of Malcolm X. Uh, so this is a very, very interesting uh, turn of events. Okay, so we'll discuss this as, uh, also, and then we'll deal with um, day nine in the uh, Michael uh, Bryan murder trial. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct your own behavior, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when we control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. 
Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, also at our website, we have information on the online courses that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. Uh, we'll give you more information about that. Okay, Shakita, we're going to go to clip number one. This is, uh, so, uh, and here's one of the articles we'll talk about here. Uh, New York Times has a huge article about this today. We're going to go to clip number one from uh, CBS uh, New York here in just a second. Uh, two men convicted of killing Malcolm X will be exonerated after decades. The 1966 convictions of the two men are expected to be thrown out after a lengthy investigation, validating long-held doubts about who killed the civil rights leader, who killed Malcolm X. Okay, so the two men uh, who are being exonerated, Muhammad A. Aziz uh, and uh, Khalil Islam. Okay, uh, let's go to clip number one, Shakita. Okay, so we have clip one from uh, a CBS affiliate. Uh, while we wait on the clip, just press play when it's ready. Uh, for decades, historians have cast doubt on the case against the two men, Muhammad A. Aziz and Khalil Islam, who each spent... Okay, let's go. Press play. Let's, let's go. ...to ask a judge to throw out those convictions tomorrow. CBS 2's Dick Brennan here in studio with the latest. Dick? This is an extraordinary development. It's believed the FBI and NYPD withheld key evidence in this case that would have likely led to an acquittal, acquittal against two men who served 20 years in prison. That evidence apparently pointed to other possible killers. When Malcolm X died in a hail of gunfire in the Audubon Ballroom in 1965, the alleged gunman was rounded up. But now, more than five decades later, it's clear it was a rush to justice. And Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam, who always claimed they were not guilty, will have their convictions vacated. A two-year investigation by the Manhattan DA came after a Netflix series called Who Killed Malcolm X? And it helped lead to the exoneration of the two men. Children weren't even in the Autobahn ballroom that day. Rahman Mohammed's years-long investigation of the murder was the center of the Netflix documentary. He told me the investigation was a sham from day one. They cleared the ballroom and they had a scheduled dance that evening. So there was actually a party that took place uh, in the very ballroom where Malcolm X was assassinated just a few hours earlier. Why do you think that happened so quickly? You can see very clearly that there was no real desire to solve this murder. Even the rostrum with the bullet holes in it was just flung into the basement where it remained for another 20 years or so. Nine informants in the ballroom when Malcolm was shot, but what they saw never made the light of day. None of those government informants were called to the stand, and they weren't even uh, brought to the attention of the prosecution. A third man, Talmud Hayer, confessed to the killing and said Islam and Aziz were innocent. Islam died in 2009. Aziz is now 83 and served 20 years in prison. If I wanted to do it, I couldn't have done it. So that means they knew what they were doing when they put me in jail. It's an incredibly sad situation where they were 
All right. Oh, well, just pause it right there. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Kwanzaa is coming, and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African American flag, and a basket. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com and place your order today. The KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. The KwanzaaShop.com. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels. Thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive. All the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages. Our stories our way black tv the way it should be black music black history and more 30 plus channels thousands of shows black on purpose television network subscribe now welcome back to the african history network show i'm your host brother michael m hotel it is wednesday november 17th 2021 and we are live Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, uh, so right before the break, we're going to go back to that clip. I'm about to send you another one. Right before the break, um, we were dealing with the news that came out this morning that um, the two men who were convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X, um, are being they will be exonerated. New evidence has surfaced. Now, this was because of the documentary that came out in 2020 called "Who Killed Malcolm X?" Who killed Malcolm X? Now, we talked about that documentary here on this show. I saw it two or three times, and um, there was a. There was an article. I did a lot of research on um, on the documentary, and there was a article that came out at the time that talked about the documentary and um, 
taught it, 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 some people had some issues with the documentary. Let's, I want to go back to this clip here and we'll continue this other side of the break. Let's go back to the clip from CBS, uh, CBS, uh, New York, please. Left, left as the patsies to one of the crimes of the century. State Senator James Sanders says the full story still hasn't been told. Uh, not just the, the, the idiots pulling the trigger, but who were the main conspirators? Who were the ones who sat and organized all of these things? Who may still be alive? Yes. Now, Aziz, in a statement, said that he hopes the same system that was responsible for the travesty of justice also takes responsibility for what he calls the immeasurable harm it caused him. An official news conference announcing the exonerations comes tomorrow from the Manhattan DA. Listen, Christine. All right, Dick. Thank you. Okay, so that's from uh, CBS New York, um, CBS New York affiliate. That's from uh, today, November 17th, 2021. All right, and that deals with um, the uh, exoneration. Uh, name of that clip is uh, Two Men Convicted in Assassination of Malcolm X Will Be Exonerated. That's NewYork.CBSLocal.com, NewYork.CBSLocal.com. So... This is a this is an article that we talked about here on the show back February 26, 2020. Okay, back right around that time when it came out. Name of this uh name of this article, this is from the New York Times. Name of this article is Who Really Killed Malcolm X? Five years later, the case may be reopened. Who really killed Malcolm X? Five years later, the case may be reopened. Uh, this is originally from February 6, 2020. And it talks about for more than half a century, scholars have maintained that prosecutors convicted the wrong men in the assassination of Malcolm X. For more than half a century, scholars have maintained that prosecutors have convicted the wrong men in, in the um, assassination of Malcolm X. Now, 55 years after the bloody afternoon of February 1965, February 21st, 1965, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is reviewing whether to reinvestigate the murder, is reviewing whether to reinvestigate the murder. Some new evidence comes from a six-part documentary called Who Killed Malcolm X? Now, those that have been watching this show for some time, now I've been on the air 11 years, okay? Uh, but those who have been watching the show here since I've been on 19 a.m. Superstation WFDF for five years, and we've been broadcasting here on Facebook, you know, when this, you know, last year we dealt with all of this here and said that the case was going to be reopened. Malcolm's assassination was going to be reopened. Some new evidence comes from a six-part documentary called Who Killed Malcolm X? Streaming on Netflix, February 7th, 2020. Streaming on Netflix, February 7th, 2020. This documentary posits that two of the men convicted could not have been at the scene uh, the day of uh, that date. Okay. The documentary, uh, based upon the evidence that was presented, it followed the theory that two of the men convicted could not have been at the scene that day, could not have been at the Audubon ballroom that day in Washington Heights, New York. 
where Malcolm was assassinated. Instead, the documentary points the finger at four members of, of a Nation of Islam mosque in Newark, New Jersey, depicting their involvement as an open secret in their city. One even appeared in a 2010 campaign ad for then Newark, New Jersey mayor, Cory Booker, who is now Senator Cory Booker. Okay, now this is this is from February 6, 2020, this article here, okay? Because I keep everything. I've got thousands and thousands of articles archived. Um, okay, so there was a piece. Now, Carl Evans, um, Carl Evans, who wrote the book, The Judas Factor. Carl Evans, so I was reading information because I'm familiar with Carl Evans. I remember interviews that... Um, um, Tony Brown did back in the, I think it was early 1990s, late 1980s on Tony Brown's journal with Carl Evans. Carl Evans wrote the book, The Judas Factor, which was one of the premier books dealing with the assassination of Malcolm X. And it's, um, I think it's in the other room, The Judas Factor. Where is that? Okay. I think The Judas Factor is in the other room. Um, this article February 6, 2020 says not all not all are convinced of the theory in the documentary. Carl Evans, author of The Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X, who's one of the preeminent scholars on Malcolm X also, by the way, and Malcolm's assassination. Carl Evans cited film footage that he says shows Mr. Aziz, okay, uh, uh, Khalil Aziz, uh, shows uh, Mr. Aziz at the Autobahn room, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, Muhammad A. Aziz. Muhammad A. Aziz, then known as Norman 3X Butler. Muhammad A. Aziz, then known as Norman 3X Butler, okay? So in Carl Evans, I read one article where Carl Evans said he was contacted to be in the documentary and he, and he declined, but he sent footage of Norman 3X Butler, okay, um, Muhammad Aziz, who's now Muhammad Aziz, he sent footage of him in the Audubon ballroom the day Malcolm was assassinated. This is what Carl Evans said. Okay, I ain't, I, don't, I haven't seen the foot. Well, let me see. Hold on. I saw. Uh, I, okay, I'm not gonna say that. Here's what Carl Evans said. Carl Evans cited footage that he says shows. Mr. Aziz at the Audubon ballroom and dismissed Mr. Muhammad's research uh, as unreliable. Okay. Um, so let's, let's do this. We're going to go to, um, I want to go to this clip here. I just sent you a clip from NBC news. Uh, Shakita, let's go to this clip and you're going to hear also, uh, this is right after the assassin. This is from 1965. NBC News. This is right at the, assa the assassination of Malcolm X. And then you're also going to hear Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s reaction as well. Let's go to this clip, Shakira. I just sent it in a separate email. Okay, uh, while we wait on the clip to queue up, let's go back to the uh, other one. Okay, go ahead, press play.
Dufo, how was Malcolm X brought to the hospital? Well, the hospital was called, and uh, we sent a stretcher team over to the Audubon Ballroom, and they brought the body over here. The Audubon Ballroom is near the hospital? Yes, it's at 166th and Broadway, which is right across the street from the hospital. So in other words, his body was wheeled through the streets. It was carried through. Yes. What condition was he in on arrival? He was dead on arrival, and they took him into the third floor emergency room, and several doctors tried to revive him for about 15 minutes, and uh, there was no response. They did all the emergency procedures that you would use in a case like this, and there was no response at any time, and he was pronounced dead at 3.30. Well, I think we uh, have to agree that uh, this appears to be uh, the result of an internal conflict within the black nationalist movement. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is for a conference of goodwill to take place between uh, black nationalist leaders. This was why I suggested a few days ago that the followers of the late Malcolm X and the followers of Elijah Mohammed uh, should sit down at the peace table together, so to speak, uh, and discuss this problem and try to reach some understanding. Uh, I don't think, uh, and I'm sure, uh, that uh, nothing can be accomplished by violence. Uh, it only leads to new and more complex social problems. I think it is unfortunate uh, for the black nationalist movement. I think it is unfortunate for the health of our nation. Okay, so that was uh, right after uh, Malcolm was assassinated, like the, the that later that day or the next day or so. I have to look at the exact date. Okay, and you heard Dr. King. Now it's important to note, and we're coming up here on the break. It's important to note that uh, Dr. King, February twenty fourth, nineteen sixty six, almost exactly one year after Malcolm Malcolm's assassination. Dr. King and Coretta Scott King go to Elijah Muhammad's house in Chicago, and Dr. King has a meeting with Elijah Muhammad, okay? At the Nation of Islam's website, they have an article there dealing with that. So a lot of people don't know this, all right? And then also, also it's important to note that while Malcolm was still in the Nation of Islam in, uh, in late July 1963, the month before the March on Washington, Malcolm was calling for a unification of the civil rights leaders and their followers. And Malcolm sent a letter to the leading civil rights leaders, Dr. King and the big six civil rights leaders. He sent a letter to them requesting a meeting uh, to, to attend a, uh, a, a rally in Harlem that was going to be in August. I think it was August 1963. And he said, we have to find a common solution to a common problem posed by a common enemy a common solution to a common problem posed by a common enemy. Malcolm was calling for unification of the civil rights leaders and their followers. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Kwanzaa is coming and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzashop.com, thekwanzashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th 
through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit thequanzashop.com and place your order today. Thequanzashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. Thequanzashop.com Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages our story, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. History Network show we do with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take it out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do a teacher what it doesn't know. We have it all for 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. <laughs> 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation. Okay, uh, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Um, so right before the break, we were talking about the uh, one of the big stories today. Uh, the two men convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X um, have been exonerated and are going to be um, uh, one who's still in prison is going to be released from prison. Uh, you're talking about uh, Muhammad Aziz and uh, Khalil Islam. Muhammad Aziz on the left and Khalil Islam. Uh, Muhammad Aziz. Uh, used to be known as Norman 3X Butler and Khalil Islam used to be known as Thomas 15 Johnson, F Thomas 15 X Johnson. Okay. Thomas 15 X Johnson. All right. Now, if we look at this here quickly, um, for decades, historians have cast doubt on the case against the two men, Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam, who spent more than, uh, 20 years in prison. Their exoneration represents a remarkable uh, acknowledgement of the grave errors made in a case of towering importance 
1965 uh, assassination of uh, Malcolm X. Now, Brian Stevenson, a civil rights uh, attorney and founder of the Justice Initiative, said it's long overdue. He said this is one of the most prominent figures of the 20th century who commanded enormous attention and respect, and, and yet our system failed, and yet our system failed. Okay, now um, I want to look at this here. This is, uh, what's the date on this? Um, so this is, yeah, that clip that I played from NBC News, uh, that was uh, from, right. that was right after Malcolm was assassinated. So that had to be later that day or the next day. So it's in late February, 1965. I'm looking here, it doesn't show, um, it doesn't show a date. All right. This, Okay, we're going to go to clip two from from uh, we're going to go to clip two from the Black News Channel here in just a minute, Shakita. So, Brian Stevenson said it's long overdue. He said this is one of the most prominent figures of the twenty of the twentieth century who commanded enormous attention and respect, and yet our system failed. End quote. Now, a twenty-two month investigation conducted jointly by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and lawyers for the two men found that prosecutors and two of the nation's premier law enforcement agencies, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and the New York Police Department, NYPD, had withheld key evidence that had it, that had it been turned over would likely have led to the men's acquittal, okay? This 22-month investigation by Cy Vance's office, Manhattan District Attorney's office, uh, found that uh, it, it found that uh, the FBI and the NYPD uh, withheld evidence that, had it been turned o- turned over, would likely have led to the men's acquittal. Okay, so. Now, there was a, let me see, let me look at this here, hold on. We're going to go to this clip here for Black News Channel here in in just a minute. Um, so today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Roland spoke with Ab- uh, 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 Abdul Rahman Muhammad, who uh, was the journalist and activist who did the documentary uh, Who Killed Malcolm X? It came out in February 2020 and aired on um, Netflix. Also uh, today on Mark Lam- Dr. Mark Lamont Hill's show, uh, Black News Tonight on the Black News Channel, uh, he spoke with uh, Abdur Rahman Muhammad. Uh, let's go to that clip. Let's go to clip two, Shakita. And now, an earth-shattering development announced just hours ago. A Manhattan district attorney says he kept to ask for the exoneration of two men convicted with the 1965 assassination of human rights leader Malcolm X. The New York Times is reporting that prosecutors believe the FBI and the New York Police Department withheld key evidence in the case and that convictions for 83-year-old Muhammad Aziz and the late Khalil Islam should be thrown out. Quoting New York Times here, These exonerations represent a remarkable acknowledgement of grave errors made in a case of towering 
importance. Exonerations come as a shock to many. And joining us now to discuss this revelation is historian, journalist, and activist, Abrahman Muhammad. My brother, good to see you as always. Welcome to Black News Tonight. Help us understand what does this all mean? What does it mean to exonerate these two men? Well, thank you for having me, Mark. It's, it's always a great pleasure. Uh, what it means is that uh, the government is finally acknowledging what we historians and researchers have known for many, many decades now, that uh, the U.S. government sent to prison for 20 years two innocent men that uh, they knew were innocent. Uh, we have shown in our documentary and evidence that he presented uh, to Cyrus Vance, the uh, Manhattan District Attorney, Cyrus Vance Jr., uh, that the government knew who uh, was involved in the assassination of Malcolm X and allowed two innocent men to go to prison for uh, up to 20 years. One brother was 22 years, and uh, it is one of the most appalling uh, injustices that we find in, in, in our history. So one of the interesting things here is not just that the DA or the prosecutor or even the FBI withheld information. It's that one of the men, uh, born, I believe, uh, Talmadge Hayer, also known as uh, uh, Tommy Egan, also known as uh, Mujahid, uh, Abdul Halim, he, he said, I did it, but these other men didn't do it. And he attempted to direct the government and the public to the people who actually killed Malcolm X who were his accomplices. So there was really no room here for confusion about who did what. That's correct. Uh, but in 1978, a judge ruled that Talmadge Hayer took too long uh, in the first instance. And the second instance that he didn't have any corroboration for his, uh, for his claims in those affidavits. And, and the, the, the real truth of the matter was, is and was that there uh, was no um, political will to uh, uh, bring justice to this case. What does it mean to exonerate these men now, men who spent decades in prison, people who literally, people died without getting justice, without being vindicated? What does it mean now? I get the symbolic gesture of it, uh, but what does it mean as a practical matter to exonerate these men? Well, I think it means two things. I mean, on the one hand, um, it, it, it's important for the uh, the legacy of these two men and what it means to their families to not have to live with the stigma of having uh, a relative involved in the assassination of Malcolm X. Uh, that's number one. Uh, but number two, it, it allows us to begin the process to interrogate the government, to find out you know, uh, just what was involved here. Why was there such prosecutorial misconduct? And why, as we've shown in our series, was there a, such a desire to protect the man that they knew to be the shotgun assassin, William X. Bradley? That's another important point. And, of course, William X. Bradley, uh, part of the Newark Mosque, uh, of the Nation of Islam. He was a brother who died right as you were on his heels, as you talk about in, in the series. The series talking about is Who Killed Malcolm X, which is uh, still available on Netflix. It's a powerful, wonderful series that everyone should watch. Um, 
this is also to me, and this is just my opinion. I, I, I'm curious about yours. Uh, an opportunity for the United States government to look as if it has righted a wrong. The U.S. government can say, hey, we are exonerating people. We have found the truth and we're holding it up. But it, if we don't scrutinize this, it will divert our attention from the fact that the United States government was likely involved in the assassination, that it was likely involved in the cover-up. And so they're not finding the truth and clearing someone's name. They're still positioning themselves as the arbiters of right and wrong, when in fact they are probably the creators of much of this mess. Well, we're, we're, we're waiting to see what they present tomorrow, uh, what new evidence they may have found. Um, here's the thing, Mark. We know for a fact that there were nine undercover FBI informants in the Audubon, in the Audubon Ballroom, February 21st, 1965, the afternoon that Malcolm X was assassinated. We also know that there was an undercover police officer by the name of Gene Roberts, who worked for the Bureau of Special Services. Uh, all of these witnesses filed reports and were present and saw what happened, and none of them were, they not only were not called to the stand in the defense, but uh, they weren't even acknowledged to be there and never revealed to, um, you know, either team in the case. Abdurrahman, this is a stunning development, and there's a lot to unpack here. I promise that Black News Network, we're going to continue to cover this. As more information comes out tomorrow and in the subsequent days, we're going to cover this. We're going to also try and talk uh, to everyone who's connected to this, because this is mind-boggling, and this completely uh, shifts the historical narrative. Again, people on the streets, people on the ground have been saying this for decades, but now we have some official corroboration of this, and hopefully that can help us continue to unravel this this all of confusion, dishonesty, uh, and, and, and state-sponsored violence. Uh, Abdurrahman, Muhammad, thank you so much for joining me as always. My brother, we'll be sure to have you back very, very soon. Everybody, be sure to join the conversation yourselves because we want to hear from you. Head over to our BNC Instagram. Okay, pause it right there. Pause it right there. Pause it right there. Okay, you can stop the clip. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so that was from Black News Tonight. Uh, Dr. Mark Lamont Hill's uh, show, uh, November 17th, 2021, uh, the impact of exoneration of two Malcolm X convicted killers. We're coming up on a break. We'll deal with, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. And then we'll also talk about day nine and the McMichael Bryan murder trial and Travis McMichael, the man who shot and killed Ahmaud Arbery, took the uh, witness stand today. And he started shedding tears on the witness stand and all this. Okay, so uh, I think he's going to be cross-examined tomorrow. Uh, prosecution tears behind up. Uh, you listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Kwanzaa is coming, and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzashop.com, thekwanzashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order 
place before November 28th. Visit thekwanzashop.com and place your order today. Thekwanzashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. Thekwanzashop.com Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Welcome back to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, November 17th, 2020, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you, have, if you have a question or comment. So before the break, we were talking about the shocking news that came out today. Now, I knew the, I knew the case had been reopened because we have talked about this here on the show last year, February, 2020, we talked about this article, uh, uh, this article here, who really killed Malcolm X. And it was about the documentary. And after the documentary aired, Cy Vance's office, Manhattan district attorney said they were reopening the, uh, investigation into the assassination of Malcolm X. Okay. Um, so, and I think they may, I think they may have even, uh, had started looking at it even before then, but, but read this article here. This is from, uh, February 6th, 2020, by John Leland, who really killed Malcolm X. Okay. Um, all right. Now I want to go back to this one here from the, uh, New York Times. We're going to we're going to clip three in just a minute. We're going to clip three. Shaquille in just a minute from NBC Nightly News. Um, if we go back to this article here from New York Times that came out today, let's go back to this one. Two men convicted um in the two men con uh two men convicted of killing Malcolm X will be exonerated decades later. Now the two men known at the time of the killings as Norman 3X Butler and Thomas 15 Johnson X Thomas 15X Johnson 15X Johnson spent decades in prison for uh the murder which took place on February 21st 1965 where three men opened fire inside the crowded Audubon ballroom in Manhattan as Malcolm X was starting to speak. 
but the case also but the case against them was questionable from the outset and in the decades since historians and amateur investigators uh, have raised doubts about the official story. The review, which was undertaken as an explosive uh, document, uh, the review, which was undertaken as an explosive documentary about the assassination and a new biography renewed interest in the case, in the assassination of Malcolm X, did not identify who prosecutors now believe really killed Malcolm X. Okay. Um, those who were previously implicated but never arrested are dead. Those who were previously implicated but never arrested are dead. Now, in the interview that Roland Martin did today with Abdur, uh, Abdur Rahman Muhammad, um, who, uh, who, um, uh, was the, uh, man who, uh, did the, uh, documentary, Who Killed Malcolm X? He said, uh, Abdur Rahman Muhammad said today, Roland Martin unfiltered that Cy Vance's office, uh, Manhattan district attorney can get either. He can get the documents or did get documents, uh, that, uh, are, uh, unredacted documents, unredacted documents. We where Abdul Rockman said he got documents that were redacted documents from the government that were redacted parts blacked out names blacked out, but he said Cy Vance could get those same documents that are unredacted documents. Okay. So I think more is to come. We're going to see what happens tomorrow at the press conference, nor did it uncover the article goes on to say from the New York times, nor did it uncover a police or government conspiracy to murder Malcolm X. It also left unanswered questions about how and why the police and the federal government failed to prevent the assassination by at least one member of a New Jersey chapter of the nation of Islam. Okay. Um, now the, the man, uh, Mujahid Abdul Halim, who was also found guilty and his, con uh, uh, and his conviction stands at the trial, he confessed to the murder. Okay. He confessed to the murder of Malcolm X, but said, and has maintained that the other two men, okay, were innocent, all right? And these are the two men who are being exonerated. Muhammad Aziz, um, and he's 83 years old, and the late Khalil Islam. Okay, now, at his home in Brooklyn on Thursday, Mr. Halim, now uh, uh, 80 years old, he's... Um, Okay, Mr. Halim, now 80 years old, Mujahid Abdul Halim, offered a simple response to the news about his co-defendants. He said, God bless you. They're exonerated. Uh, quote, unquote, he said in a quiet voice, God bless you. They're exonerated. Now, the acknowledgement by Cyrus R. Vance Jr., the Manhattan District Attorney, who is among the nation's most prominent local prosecutors, recast one of the most painful uh, moments in modern American history. And at a time when racism and discrimination in the criminal justice system are once again, focus of uh, a national uh, focus of a national protest movement. 
okay? It reveals a bitter truth. It reveals a bitter truth uh, that two of the people convicted of killing Malcolm X, black Muslim men, hate, hastily arrested and tried on shaky evidence, okay? They were hastily arrested and tried on shaky evidence. They were themselves victims of the very discrimination and injustice that Malcolm X denounced in language that has echoed across the decades. Now, in the interview, Cyrus R. Vance, Manhattan District Attorney, apologized on behalf of law enforcement, which he said had failed the families of the two men. Those failures, he said, could not be remedied quote but what he but 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 what we can do is acknowledge the error the severity of the error what we can do is acknowledge the error the severity of the error end quote also release whatever documents you have unredacted documents and put in, in, in let's get the truth out of what happened to uh malcolm x now uh uh cyrus r vance's uh, District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance's reinvestigation conducted with the Innocence Project and the Office of David Shanies, S-H-A-N-I-E-S, a civil rights lawyer, contended with serious obstacles. Many of those involved in the murder case, including witnesses, investigators, and trial lawyers, uh, as well as other potential suspects, died, uh, uh, died years ago, died long ago. Key documents were lost to time and physical evidence, such as murder, such as murder weapons, were no longer available to be tested. Okay, uh, quote the points. To, uh, this points to the truth that law enforcement over history has often failed to live up to its responsibilities. End quote. Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance said, he went on to say, these men did not get the justice that they deserved, end quote. These men did not get the justice that they deserved. Here's a picture of Cyrus R. Vance. Okay, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And then also understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll count it forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, uh, we're going to go quickly to the story dealing with, we're going to follow up. We'll, we'll talk more about this story tomorrow. We'll talk about Julius Jones a little bit tomorrow as well. Um, uh, there's going to be a press conference dealing with uh, this new evidence and exoneration of the two men uh, who were convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X. Uh, so we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. We'll talk more about the Michael Bryan murder trial also. Um, okay, I want to go to, let's go to this quickly here. Um Let's go to what happened in court today. So, so I, I saw some of the testimony today also, and um, 
once again, my question is, you know, he, he talked about the instance prior where he used his gun to de-escalate a situation, things like this. If you, as I asked yesterday, if you wanted to de-escalate the situation, why don't you just go in the opposite direction and leave Ahmad Arbery alone? Cause he was running away from you all. If you wanted to de-escalate the situation, why don't you just leave Ahmad Arbery alone? Okay. Uh, I want to go to this clip here. This is from NBC Nightly News. Uh, they dealt with the trial. We're going to cue this up. I'm not on 9, 10 a.m. WFDF anymore. Uh, we're only on for an hour. Sundays we're on for two hours, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so while we cue this up, uh, if you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This is our official Cash App account. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Friday, um, I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm a panelist each Friday on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So I'll be on this Friday. Okay, these other two, so this is our official cash app account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it says Michael, shows my picture. These other two are fake African History Network cash app accounts. That's not me. Okay. Um, let's see. Where is... Okay, let's get this queued up. All right, we'll go to this clip here in just a second. Um, okay, so th this article here from New York Times. Man who fatally shot Ahmaud Arbery describes a quote-unquote life-or-death encounter. Yeah, it was for Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah, 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 it, you're right. It was a life-or-death encounter. It, it was a death. You, you could, you could. You can make the argument it was a death or death encounter for Ahmad Arbery. Okay, let's go to this. So this was day nine in the trial. And uh, Travis McMichael unexpectedly took the witness stand. Instance that that we made contact. I want to give my side of the story. I want to explain what happened. Stunning the courtroom, Travis McMichael, the man accused of firing the fatal shotgun blast that killed Ahmaud Arbery, taking the witness stand in his own defense. He grabs the shotgun and I believe I was struck on that, that, that first instance that that we made contact. McMichael, the first defense witness, along with his father, Gregory, and neighbor, William Bryan, facing nine counts, including murder, aggravated assault, and false imprisonment. Prosecutors say the three men hunted Aubrey down, trapped him with their pickup trucks, and murdered him. Today, McMichael explaining why he opened fire, three blasts, two wounding Aubrey. I shot Why? He, he had my gun. This is a life or death situation, and I'm going to have to to stop him from doing this, so I shot. Did he stop when you shot? He did not. Through the trial, the defense highlighting home security videos that it says show Arbery at least four times at night in a neighborhood house under construction. 
and that McMichael had encountered Aubrey near that house 12 days before the fatal encounter. Uh, goes to reach in his pocket or waistband area. McMichael insisting he had every reason to suspect Aubrey committed a crime the night in question. That final shot, he disengaged, and at that point, he let go, he turned and continued to run down, um, down Satilla. And at that point, I was in shock. Prosecutors arguing there's no evidence Arbery had ever stolen anything in the neighborhood, nor that the defendants ever tried to make a citizen's arrest. Prosecutors say the defendants deliberately and intentionally murdered Arbery. You didn't tell your dad this is a really, really bad idea that could go really wrong for us and we should just stay here and call 911. You didn't say that, did you? I didn't. Ron Allen joining us now. Ron, what's been the reaction from the family of Arbery to this unexpected testimony today? I, I just spoke to his mother, who says she hopes that all three defendants testify. She wants to hear in their own words what they were thinking that day. She said that based on the testimony today, she thinks the men made all the wrong and worst possible assumptions about her son, and they had no reason to shoot and kill him. Okay, so that was uh, from today in court, November 17th. All right, now uh, I want to go to... Uh, I'm going to go to this article here from New York Times. Man who fatally shot Ahmad Arbery describes a quote-unquote life or death encounter. Okay, well, it, you could say it was a death or death encounter for um, Ahmad Arbery. Travis McMichael, who has pleaded not guilty to murder charges, took the stand in his own defense on Wednesday because basically uh, it's surmised that his defense uh attorneys realized uh, this ain't going too well for you. You need to get on the witness stand to save your life. Um, because otherwise in a situation like this, you, you wouldn't hear from you, you, you open yourself up to being tripped up by the prosecutor because you're going to be cross-examined by the prosecution. So if he did not take the witness stand, okay, he wouldn't be cross-examined. But because he took the witness stand, he's opened himself up to being cross-examined, which opens himself up to being tripped up by the prosecution, and he could be in a worse situation, okay? All right, so let's go to this. And then also, uh, I, I got, I, I've got the clip now from uh, Yodita Wolch show, uh, Making the Case on the Black News Channel. She had a good segment tonight on on uh, day nine in the trial. Okay, so let's look at this here. Uh, Travis McMichael, the man who shot and killed Ahmaud Arbery, who was running for his life, uh, after chasing him for five minutes through a suburban Georgia neighborhood, testifying his own defense on Wednesday, because what choice did he have? Arguing that pointing his gun at Ahmaud Arbery was an attempt to de-escalate the situation. This is what this fool said in court today. It was an attempt to de-escalate the situation. You chasing them for five minutes. He's trying to run for his life. And you think you're going to de-escalate the situation by pulling a gun. Why don't your ass run in the opposite direction and go back home, have a man made sandwich, and leave him the hell alone if you want to de-escalate something. A tactic he said he learned during use of force training while serving in the U.S. Coast Guard. Yeah, but you were the aggressor here. You would, it'd be different if you were just sitting there minding your own business, right? 
watch be eating mayonnaise sandwiches and watching uh uh Andy Griffith and drinking moonshine, whatever the hell you drink. And then he just and the man just ran up to you and you pulled a gun and said, back off. That, that's not what happened. You were chasing him. You were the aggressor. Quote, if you pull a weapon on someone, from what I've learned in my training, usually that tells people to back off. But but you're the one chasing him. For my training, if white people chase you, eh, they usually ain't they it's usually not gonna turn out too well, especially in Georgia. He said, quote, if you pull a weapon on someone, from what I've learned in my training, he's talking about training in the Coast Guard, usually that tells people to back off. Well, when white men are chasing you with guns and pickup trucks and you're black, our training tells us to run for our lives. This this is not good. He said, he testified that they describing it as, quote, compelled compliance, end quote. Now, Congressman Michael, 35 years old, is among three white defendants facing murder charges in Ahmaud Arbery's death, along with his father, Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor, William Bryan. He testified, he stands accused of chasing Ahmaud Arbery, a 25-year-old African-American man, in two trucks through the Satilla Shores neighborhood outside the city of Brunswick, Georgia. When Travis McMichael got out of his truck, he and Ahmaud Arbery struggled over Travis McMichael's shotgun. Travis McMichael described the encounter as life or death situation and said he suspected that Ahmad Arbery was a burglar who was potentially armed. No evidence has been presented that Ahmad Arbery had a weapon with him and also no evidence that Ahmad Arbery stole anything. There were numerous white people who were on surveillance camera of the house on Satilla Drive that's under construction. They walked through the house also. They weren't chased down. They didn't have guns pointed at them. But they were white. Now, Travis McMichael said that when he ultimately pulled the trigger, Ahmaud Arbery was overpowering him. Quote, I shot uh, again because I was still fighting. Okay, did you feel like a five-year-old holding on a hook? Did you feel like a five-year-old holding on to Hulk Hogan? This is the super black man. Uh, uh, this is a super black man stereotype again. You chased him for five minutes. Now you feel for, fear for your life and you don't want the gun. Quote, he was all over me. He was still all over that shotgun and he was not relenting. Well, because he thought you were going to kill him. Probably because he thought you were going to kill him because you're the one with the gun, fool. After a third shot, according to video, Ahmaud Arbery collapsed. Well, it's a shotgun. What the hell did you think? Quote, I was in shock. Travis McMichael said. I was in shock. He described the encounter as, quote, the most traumatic experience of his life, end quote. Ahmaud Arbery probably explained it as the most traumatic experience of his life also, but his, he's dead. Asked by his attorney if he had left the, left his house that day intending to kill Ahmaud Arbery, he, he replied, I did not. The defense team has argued that uh, the men suspected 
Ahmad Arbery of committing a series of local break-ins, although they have absolutely no evidence that he committed break-ins. He had been spotted several times on security uh, camera video at a nearby home under construction, just walking around, looking around. And there was other people on video camera as well doing the same thing. Now, on Real Martin, I filtered today, and we, I may play the clip tomorrow. I, have, I didn't have time to get the clip because it, it takes a lot to produce these shows, and I, I didn't have time to get the clip. But Roland interviewed Ahmad Arbery's father. Roland is down in Brunswick, Georgia, in, in the Glen County. Uh, he's in Glen County where the uh, courthouse is. And he was broadcasting from down there today. He interviewed Ahmad Arbery's father. Okay, Ahmad Arbery's father said that uh, Ahmad's dream was to build his his uh, mother and father a house, and he would go look at houses under construction and come home and draw what he saw. He would do drawings of these houses. Okay, so he was saying his son wasn't stealing or doing anything like that. He he goes and looks at houses under construction. He said his son is in the um, uh, electrician class right now and what well, was an electrician class and um he wanted to build a house for his parents all right so uh download the black star media app to your uh, smartphone android phone to your devices and search for Roland Martin Unfiltered. Also, uh, you can watch Roland Martin Unfiltered on Facebook and YouTube. Follow Roland Martin there, and um, you can watch the show from today. Uh, he interviewed Ahmad Arbery's father. Now, uh, Travis and Michael described the neighborhood that had been increasingly on edge over what he called steady crime. He said, the quote typically small town end quote community had had been overtaken by thefts and break-ins cars including his own truck had been broken into belongings had been stolen he said including his pistol and a neighbor's trailer he said it was continuous every couple of uh every couple of months you would hear of something else something else when Ahmad Arbery was seen running through the neighborhood on the afternoon of February 23rd, 2020, the men pursued him. A decision, the prosecutor, Lisa Donikowski, lead prosecutor, a decision that prosecutors have characterized as one based on flimsy assumptions about Ahmad Arbery and his presence in Satilla Shores. Okay, is racial, basically racial profile, racial profile. Uh, Travis and Michael said he was mad, which made me think that something has happened. Uh, it's not what I expected, end quote. He went on to say, he continued, quote, this guy is obvious, obviously something is not right. He seems dangerous to me, end quote. Why? Because why does he seem dangerous to you? Toward the end of his testimony, Travis McMichael described the moment he realized that Ahmad Arbery was dead. He said, quote, I stood up, realized that I that I had a gun here and that he's passed away and the police are on the scene. OK, his voice breaking as he neared tears. 
quote. So I walked over to the side and put my shotgun down and, and that he said, after that, it was a blur. Uh, Travis and Michael is expected back on the witness stand on Thursday. Hopefully prosecution will crucify his ass. Okay. Now, uh, I want to go to, I'm going to go to this clip here from the black news channel. Yo, D. Tawold, uh, spoke with, um, defense attorney. She spoke with, uh, CK Hoffler, former president of the national bar association, uh, attorney CK Hoffler, uh, about the testimony today. Okay. Let's go to this clip. Brunswick, Georgia, the murder trial for the three men. Today in Brunswick, Georgia, the murder trial for the three men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery began with the defense presenting its case by calling their first witness, Travis McMichael, the one who pulled the trigger. He spent several hours on the stand today under direct examination. The prosecution will proceed with cross-examination tomorrow. I've got my legal expert on deck to help us talk through the latest in this trial, former president of the National Bar Association, C.K. Hoffler. Always great having you on, Counselor. Let's get right to it, shall we? Kevin Goff, the attorney representing, yes, Kevin Goff, the attorney representing William Bryan, uh, reserved his opening statements until after the prosecution rested their case. So instead of giving it at the start of trial, like the other two defense lawyers representing the McMichaels, he made a, a decision to do it after the prosecution rested. Now, he tried to point, uh, point out and separate the actions of his clients from those of his co-defendants. Um, now, I've asked whether this was a smart move to save addressing the jurors until after the prosecution presented all of their evidence. But that was before we saw just how damning that evidence was. So I have to ask again, was this a smart move to hold off on addressing the jurors until now? Uh, you know, um, Yodid, I think that it was a fairly decent strategic move for this reason. The Kevin Goff is trying to make sure as much as possible, he, he wants to make sure he can separate the actions of his client with the actions of Nareen Michaels with the hope that by separating them out, if the jury in any way, shape or form, convicts the McMichaels that they will see his actions as separate, as lesser, as not as bad. I think that was the strategy. What we know mm -hmm. as spectators and as the media that have been in the courtroom is that his questioning, his motions, all that he's done in the course of this trial has been the most obstructive that I've seen of any defense counsel in many years. So um, I, I think that his strategy was to separate them, to make him look like he's not as bad as them. But by the same token, I believe they're all lumped together. So, CK, why not ask for a severed trial then? I think, you know, he probably should have asked to sever the trial early on. I do think that he probably made a strategic move because initially they probably thought one this they were never going to get indicted but two once they did once they got counsel that this case would never there wasn't a chance that they would get convicted 
I think that they felt very comfortable and and very um, entitled, if you will, that a the community, not anyone in that community would convict them for what they feel strongly were acts of self-defense. I believe that they actually believe that. There's not evidence to support it, not by and large, not, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but they actually believe that or want to believe that. And I think their law, I think the lawyer for Brian is drinking that Kool-Aid and just felt, look, safe, it's better if they're all there together in some respects and he can separate himself out, just try it at one time. And they may have actually moved to sever the case and maybe that motion was denied. I've not heard of any motion to sever. So I'm not certain if they did it. And if so, why it wasn't public, but I've not heard of any motion suffered, but that's what he probably should have done, frankly. All right, so let's get to the first witness the defense called. That was Travis McMichael. Um, not sure if he took cues from Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, but were you surprised that he took the stand? I was pretty surprised that he took the stand. I thought that Brian would take the stand. Mr. Brian would take the stand. But I thought it was mm -hmm. a very, very difficult and calculated decision uh, for him to take the stand. He is, after all, the person that shot and killed, technically, Ahmaud Aubrey. So for him to take the stand, for him to be the first witness out, you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. And based on his testimony, while well, I think he was exceptionally well coached, and the, as, as you saw, the, the, the defense lawyer led him down a path. I was just trying to shocked that there were not more objections on leading. I mean, he was leading his witness, testifying for him, all of those things. I guess the prosecution felt there's no need to objecting, let them go and do what they're going to do. But I think it was a calculated risk. I think it was a gamble. And I think he's going to have his head handed to him on a platter tomorrow. The prosecutor has all night, and she probably will take literally all night to prepare for the rest of the cross-examination. She very wisely started the cross-examination, hit him with a few things, just to begin, set the traps. But tomorrow, I hope what she does is takes every statement, because they have real-time court reporting, every statement, and juxtaposes that statement with the visual evidence. Mm -hmm. Because even without seeing the video right there when he was speaking, I could tell there were tons of inconsistencies. First of all, what he was saying just didn't make any kind of sense. Didn't make common sense, didn't make silly sense, didn't make simple sense, didn't make any kind of sense. And what I was thinking consistently as he was talking about his options, what he did, how he did all these things, I was thinking of how Ahmaud Aubrey must have felt. That is what really struck me throughout, how Ahmaud Aubrey must have felt like he was trapped, how he was fighting for his life. And when Travis um, broke down and cried, if you will, and he cried because he said at that moment when he shot, when he shot Ahmad Arbery, he was thinking of his son. He wasn't thinking of the man that he shot. He wasn't thinking of the man that he killed. Mm -hmm. He wasn't thinking of all the danger he had done. He thought of his son and the callous nature of him to say that in the courtroom with Ahmad Arbery's mother sitting in the back. Who was thinking about her child? Who was thinking about her son? I just think this is a calculated risk. Well, uh, before talking about the day of the shooting, the defense spent time talking about Travis McMichael's background, including his Coast Guard training. Um, let's take a listen to that. In your experience, can pointing a gun at somebody de-escalate a situation? Yes. How so? 
pull a gun on someone, just how they realize that this is if it's threat or if you don't know what's going on in the situation and you have you pull a weapon on someone from what I've learned in my training that usually that calls people to back off or to realize what's happening, compel compliance. Okay, we heard similar testimony from Kyle Rittenhouse where he thought pointing a gun at someone would get them to retreat. Will his Coast Guard experience and his handling of weapons, so to speak, help justify his actions with the jury? I think he's certainly hoping so. I think it's a double-edged sword, though. The reason why he's hoping it will help is because it sets a stage for him being somewhat of an expert. A fact expert, yes a defendant, but an expert, where he talks about all of his training, because all of that training he's going to argue in the end kicked in, and that's why he did what he did. The double-edged sword to me is that all of that training should have kicked in to tell him, don't do this. Exactly. But it didn't, because he was not act he was not acting as a reasonable man. Exactly. All right. So that is from um, your D. Walsh show on the Black News Channel, Making the Case. Okay, she spoke with C.K. Hoffler, and um, C.K. Hoffler is a past president, former president of the National Bar Association. She's an, And she's an attorney. All right, now, so that's from November 17, 2021, Black News Channel on um, YouTube. All right. We'll talk about this some more on tomorrow's show. We've been covering this trial basically every day of the trial. This is day nine of the trial. The Michael Bryan murder trial and the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, on tomorrow's show, we'll also talk about uh, the infrastructure bill some more. Joe Biden was in Detroit today. He was at a GM factory promoting the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. We'll talk about that uh, some more on tomorrow's show, the infrastructure bill. And then yesterday, you know, we dealt with, um, we talked about this story and, and we have these shows, um, these shows rebroadcast on our Facebook fan page, the African history network, the African history network and our YouTube channel, Michael M hotel. We rebroadcast them throughout the day. Uh, we talked about this story yesterday, legislation to resolve GI bill, Racial inequities introduced by Democrats. This is a bill introduced by Representative uh, James Clyburn of South Carolina dealing with um, discrimination African-American veterans faced when trying to use the GI Bill after World War Two ended. We'll talk some more about this uh, on tomorrow's show. This is really, really deep. And this is something that's really good. Hopefully this bill will pass both the House and the Senate. This deals with repairing the damage. Also, this is a legacy uh, of, of what happened after slavery ended in, in Jim Crow segregation. Okay. So when we talk about repairing the damage of slavery and the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow segregation, redlining, et cetera, we have to change the policies, the laws and policies that were in place that were inflicting the harm also. Okay. Um, you can register for the online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. This class is on sale. Uh, we have the price reduced. It's on sale $50, regularly $130. It's a 10-week online course. I do this on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
and we deal with um, basically history from 1865 from the Civil War to Reconstruction, Jim Crow era, uh, World War One, World War Two, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. To understand what happened to us after slavery ended, what were the laws and policies put in place, and uh, how do we get to where we are so we understand where we need to go from here. But also those harmful, harmful policies and laws like redlining, those, a lot of those are still on the books and need to be reversed. This is part of repairing the damage of a legacy of slavery and what happened after slavery ended. You have to change the laws and policies. Uh, then the second class I teach on Sundays, the first one's on Saturday. This is a, this one here is on Sundays. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, one of the original names for Egypt. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Okay. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Uh, we have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes for $100. Classes are normally $130 each. These are 10-week classes, and you can still watch the class even after the class is over with. Uh, this one here is on sale uh, $60, regularly $130, but you can register for both for $100. You just posted the link here to register for both classes for $100. As soon as you register, you can watch classes we did this past weekend. And you can watch from around the world uh, in class. You can see me. I can't see you. So it's not like a Zoom meeting for your job, for work, where you can see the people. Uh, you can see me. I can't see you. We have a live text chat so you can ask questions in class also. Uh, and then we also on our website, we have the Kwanzaa shop. Kwanzaa's coming up. Get your Kwanzaa supplies, your Kanawas, your, your candle holders, your Kwanzaa sets, mats, flags, and more. This is from Sister Nubia Wartford. Okay, the archaeologist, you, you, you've heard me interview her a number of times. Look right here for the KwanzaaShop.com, the current promotion before November 28th. On, on your order before November 28th, get $10 off. And we have that also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or go to the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, uh, email me at ahnshow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AHN show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com if you want me to do a presentation for your group organization. We know African American History Month is coming up. Um, we know Kwanzaa is coming up. Uh, Christmas, because I have a presentation dealing with the uh, real history of Christmas and the pre-Christian origins of Christmas, etc., and connections to ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, things like that. And Dr. King Day is coming up as well. So if you want me to do a presentation for your group organization, uh, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, uh, let's see here. Okay, African American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast, and we'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Um, a current promotion, uh, buy, uh, get, uh, buy one month, get two months free. About one month, get two months free. So we have a couple more spots left. And let me post this here. Where is that? Okay. Do 
we take your 30 second and 60 second commercial and we put it into the rebroadcast of these shows. Uh, we're also on 10 different audio podcast platforms. So we can create a commercial for you. If you don't have one, uh, if you have one, you can send it to us just as long as it's non copywritten music. Cause this also plays on uh, YouTube, but, uh, we put your commercial into the audio podcast of these shows, 30 second, 60 second video commercial. Uh, so people will see it when we, we broadcast these shows. And then also our show is an audio podcast, uh, audio podcast, uh, format. So you can download the, I, uh, the iHeart radio app. You can listen to us on iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, FM player, tune in. And when people listen to the audio podcast version of these shows, they will hear your commercial as well. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Remember the African History Network. We focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct for own behavior. It's not over till we win. Uh, Friday, I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered, okay? And um, tune into the show uh, on Thursday. We're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time and Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, right now, it's correct wrong behaviors. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Kwanzaa is coming, and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit thekwanzashop.com and place your order today. Thekwanzashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. TheKwanzaShop.com Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels. Thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, 
a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.